Hello and welcome to Permanently Resident, a podcast about the ups and downs of living abroad. My name is Robin. I'm from Brighton, England, and I'm living in Richmond, California. Hey, it's Jose from Simi Valley. I'm living in Tokyo, Japan. So this is episode 14. Today we are talking about cultural appropriation. Um, so what sparked this, this idea this week was a new story that came out, I think, a few days ago, maybe a week ago, about uh, Jessica Krug, who is a, an American university press professor specializing in um, African diaspora studies, if I remember correctly. And it, it's come out that apparently she has been pretending to be various different races over the last uh, 20 years or so she's been pretending to be afro american at some points afro latino i think algerian at some points wow. um and really she's uh from a jewish family in kansas city okay. um so did you see this yeah i heard about this story and i've also seen other examples of similar stories in the news and what, what I just quickly first thought was, okay, what kind of benefits is she getting? What kind of advantage is she getting? Because there needs to be some motivation to, to do something like this, right? And in yeah. the United States, you know, you know, here in Japan, not, but in the United States, depending on your race, you do, of course, you face difficulties, perhaps, but you also can access certain benefits or government uh, money or something like that, right? I guess so. I'm not really that clued into these things. Um, you know, I'm still very confused about how Americans view race and ethnicity, especially. Mm. Um, I've never really got why it's ethnicity, especially, is such a big driving force in the way that people think about themselves and talk about themselves. Mm. Um, so, what do you think's pushing this, or what do you think pushed this woman? Jessica Crew, why do you think she wanted to adopt this persona? Um, you know, I, I think I'll go back to my original point. There must have been some kind of benefit for her to do it compared to being a Jewish American woman, which is, uh, I guess, in the United States would be considered a position of privilege, right? In uh, this other race, which she adopted, it is not a position of privilege. Um, I know for a fact that when you are applying to universities in the United States, based on your, your race, your background, the percentages of you being accepted are much higher, depending on where, where you know, not only your socioeconomic background, but also your racial background. So for mm -hmm. her to maybe claim this race or this identity, uh, she had a higher chance of getting her position, uh, perhaps getting tenure, getting all those things, right? Or... Well, yeah, I mean, if she's going to be writing about the African diaspora, mm -hmm. then that gives her more credibility, right? If she can say, mm -hmm. well, you know, I'm on the inside, yeah. or, you know, I'm, I'm in a group that is adjacent to this, that's going to give her more credibility when she talks about the topic, I think. Besides the opportunities, which, you know, we, we've gone over, do you think it could also be some kind of... Uh, internal like wish to be to be that race or to be that person to change their identity not only the opportunity i think uh, I, I don't want to say too much about this because my understanding of it is very superficial but i definitely see there's quite 
a lot of fetishization of other races in the United States, okay. especially especially among white people. And it, it's not just Afro-American culture, but, you know, I saw, you know, when we, when we were living together uh, at UCSB, I saw a number of young white men fetishizing Japanese culture, for example. Mm. Uh, um, and so I've, I've never quite been able to get into that mindset where another mm. other cultures are not something that's just interesting something we can learn from something that um we should observe but mm. other cultures being something that we want to become um so that i think there's a different a little bit of a different approach that i still struggle to understand and I think you bring up a really good point, Robin, because it's it's kind of this false ideal ideal of what something is, like this uh, this view of it being so like I don't know perfect compared to reality. Like you mentioned, like Japanese animation, and mm -hmm. I really you know I live in Japan, so I understand those people, and perhaps they think like, wow, these people in the animation are really nice, and everyone cares about each other. And the girls in the animation are, you know, they're so warm hearted and like, you kind of like drift towards this like idealized version of, of reality kind of, I think that's, that's kind of the draw there. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe you grew up with people also mm. in Simi Valley, yeah. in the suburbs, a lot of, uh, you know, white middle-class kids. Sure. And there was a lot of, a lot of a lot of kids that were obsessing over hip-hop culture in that time yeah definitely um maybe maybe their view was wow that's really cool or uh i want to be i want to be popular or that that seems like i will be in the in crowd or something like that so perhaps they got really really into that culture you know hmm okay so let's move on a little bit and talk you know come back to our original point which was okay. about cultural appropriation right sure. so it seems like you know this this woman that we just mentioned yeah. she's taking something that isn't hers in this case an identity mm -hmm. and exploiting it to get something that she wants right um so you know i, I personally dislike the overuse of this idea of cultural appropriation and the sure. phrase and i think it's you know, people are accusing people of cultural appropriation all the time. Yeah. Which, which is true. I mean, every, you know, I think almost everybody in, in Western society is constantly appropriating things from other cultures, constantly borrowing, yeah. enjoying things. Um, and I just, I think it's a, it's a part of, a part of human history as well. For, for better or worse, this mm. is something that shaped the world for, hundreds thousands of years um yeah the the exchanging of cultures the exchanging of ideas i mean that's that's what we started to do as soon as we could we could get boats working and sailing around the world right yeah so i think you know it, we could describe that as cultural appropriation but i think for the most part cultural appropriation is is a good thing and it's beneficial um so I think in my mind, we shouldn't, we should only use the, f the phrase cultural appropriation when it refers to some kind of exploitation. So one, one group is exploiting 
something from another group whether it's an identity or a language or a product mm -hmm. or a skill or some knowledge and taking advantage of their position of power to benefit from that whether it's financially or professionally or socially would you would you agree with that or do you view it in a little bit of a different way the word cultural appropriation definitely has a negative connotation to it. I I'm, can't use it like in a positive way these days, right? So if I want to say it positively, I would say like cultural exchange or cultural appreciation, something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like cultural appropriation itself is is kind of something that, you know, we take something from another culture and use it abuse it, mock it, you know, something like that. I don't, I don't see cultural appropriation as me, you know, wearing something from another culture and, you know, it's not my culture, don't do it. I'm sorry, I'm not on board with that. That's just not, you know, like if, if I'm in Japan and, you know, I'm going to a fireworks festival and everyone is wearing yukatas, kind of like a traditional you know, summer kimono type of thing, I guess it's the best way to describe it. You know, I might wear one. I, I've never worn one, but I know friends who have, and I might, you know, what is someone going to say to me? Oh, don't do that. You're not Japanese. Like, we actually, we talked to Akari yesterday, right? And she said she yeah. would be happy for a Westerner to, to do that. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a different attitude then maybe it's just the, the person's attitude. Are, are they thinking of, about things positively or negatively? Can we control others' perceptions of what we're doing? If it's built in in their mind, like, oh, man, don't do it. That's negative. I don't like it. You know, sometimes you just got to say kick rocks. I'm not mocking your culture. I'm not, you know, I'm not disrespecting it. I'm appreciating it in my way. So if, if you have a problem with it, it's kind of your problem because other people may not have a problem with them. And I don't know if there's like a gatekeeper to a culture because, you know, it's not like a monolith. It's not like the group hive mind or something like people within that culture are going to have dissenting views mostly. Right. Yeah. But I think there are some things that would generally be considered to be unacceptable here. So sure. if I, you know, dressed dressed like a stereotypical rapper, mm -hmm. that would probably be considered by some people to be ridiculous and to other people to be offensive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, why is that? What, what, what would be your purpose for dressing that way? I would ask you. You like it? <laughs> if you I'm like blanking, it. I'm blanking now because I don't have a reason. It's just a hypothetical. I, I, okay. Well, I, well that, I think that's the thing, though. I think it comes down to what's your, what's your intention? What's your reason? If you're doing it to mm. some people, then, yeah, it's cultural appropriation. You're, you're messing around. You know, you're clowning about. But if you seriously like those kinds of clothes and you like that style, who am I to tell you? You know, what, you know. Okay. Well, let, I've got a couple of examples. Um, so let me start with one. Uh, the first one we got is one that I personally think is a clear example of cultural appropriation and is okay. really acceptable, which is the ongoing controversy about Washington Redskins name. Uh, now, yeah. I don't see, I don't see why that team has to be called, um, 
a name which is considered by many to be a racial slur. Mm -hmm. um, it's taking the image of one group and applying it for commercial purposes to a sports team that doesn't really have any affiliation to Native Americans. It doesn't, I, let me say, I don't know, but I don't imagine there are any Native American players playing for the Washington Redskins. Yeah. Um, so that one seems to me to be a clear example with no, I don't see any clear justification. I think the big, the big one they say was well, tradition. I think that's, that's their big justification, but yeah. Or, or another one is like, it's, it's my team. Don't tell me what to name it. That kind of thing, I think. But uh, yeah, Daniel Snyder, the, the owner of the Redskins, it's been an ongoing fight with him for a lot of years. Um, he, he got heavy pressure this summer, I guess, because of the, the social justice movements in the United States. He finally felt the weight, the full weight of it. And he, you know, he renounced the name, I guess, or he got rid of the name. But in a typical Daniel Snyder asshole move, he renamed the team the Washington football team. Kind of like, you know, an F you to, an F you to the public, kind of like. I'm not even going to bother renaming it then. It's just going to be the, the Washington football team. So I have this video game, EA Sports Madden NFL. It's an American football video game. And, yeah, it's right there, Washington football team. So they don't even have a proper logo now. It's like a W or something. It's Washington. So To be clear, though, I, I support his right to call his football team whatever okay. he wants, assuming that that's within the rules of the NFL. Um, I, I support his right to freedom of speech, but I do think that it's unnecessary cultural appropriation on his part. Sure. And I think he, he's taken steps to like try to, you know, pull some kind of uh, native American community about it. And I think he got support. So he kind of kept going with it. And, uh, but then there's an argument like, okay, if, if nine, nine, 90% of Native Americans are cool, they're on board, they like it, but 10% don't like it, like, what do you do at that point? And should it only be the decision of Native Americans? That's another area of controversy, right? Well, yeah, I think it should be. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to get too racially charged, but. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a big controversy about other racial slurs, especially if we talk about the N-word, right? Yeah. And, well, is it is it legitimate for me to get offended by that if I'm not Afro-American? Well, if the answer to that yes is that, then, uh, you know, my opinion should count toward, towards the name of uh, the Washington Redskins. Sure, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. Like, maybe you have empathy to it, too, and... Just, just because you're not part of that group doesn't mean you can't have empathy. So I, I see what you're saying there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a national conversation. And, and at this point, like the name has been, you know, it's not going to be used anymore. But I don't know what the future name will be. So I guess we'll have to see. Well, he's got a good one already. I don't think he needs to change it now. Just leave it, the Washington football team. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Uh, we had a different example, uh, a movie you mentioned. I haven't seen it, but uh, maybe it's okay. an example you think of one that treats the same subject, Native American culture, in a, in a more sensitive way. Yeah, I think this is more of like a cultural appreciation because if you watch like Hollywood cinema or Hollywood TV, 
you know, one of one of the groups that has been appropriated more than anyone, you know, are, are Native Americans. Um, cowboy movies, westerns, you know, they're savages. They're attacking you. They're, you know, they're coming out and just loot, looting or not looting, but like attacking your wagon wagon train or whatever it would be in, in those types of movies, and uh, killing, murdering, that kind of thing. Right? It's never like positive. It's never like, all right, well, let's learn about them. What what are their motivations? Uh, what is their community like? You know, are they just doing this these kinds of things indiscriminately, or are they just like fodder fodder in a movie? Right? Like, what are they? Well, they're the supporting. Yeah, they're the supporting role, right? They're they're the juxtaposition against the cowboys in that case. Yeah, yeah, just the uh, the antagonists which you need, right? Yeah. But I thought uh, Dances with Wolves, which is like a 1990 movie with with Kevin Costner. Yeah, you can nitpick some some stuff which isn't perfectly accurate about it, but it really delved into like the complexity of of Native American uh, culture, society, um, relationship to uh, manifest destiny, which was going mm-hmm. on at the time of this movie. Which means, for for those of you that don't know, the period when the U.S. or was expanding from east to west, right? So, yeah, I thought it took a really good hard look at that and really appreciated Native Americans properly uh, in cinema, which which was definitely not the case for 20, 30, 40, 50 years in American cinema. So I thought it was a good change. How much, I mean, uh, I don't know enough details about the film to know, but I mean, how much do Native Americans need to benefit from that for it not to be cultural appropriation? Uh, is it okay for us to make make a movie about Native Americans and profit from it if as long as it's accurate or should we always be doing it with um you know with some intention of benefiting their community yeah i think I think when you make that type of film like involvement and giving back to the the community is is really important. So, I mean, I don't know exactly, we'd, we'd have to look into it, but I'm pretty sure, you know, there was actors who got roles. Uh, there was, you know, perhaps money going into that kind of uh, Native American acting community, stuff like that. Okay. So let's, let's <laughs> finish off by mentioning a few more lighthearted uh, okay. examples as, uh, you know, those ones are a little heavier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, do you have any? Do you have any good ones from Japan? Uh, yeah, you know, in Japan, there's there's definitely cultural appropriation. Uh, Christmas has been appropriated, so <laughs> there's no Christians, no Japanese. Well, there's not many Japanese Christians, but they are definitely celebrating Christmas. And another thing which is really interesting are some Japanese weddings will use like a pastor or a minister, but he's not really ordained or he's not like an official pastor or minister. He's just some like actor. They pay like one hundred to two hundred dollars, uh, you know, an event <laughs> just to like go up there and marry two people, so they can get married in like the fairy tale like Western wedding type of thing. So that's definitely appropriation. How do you feel about that? Then is it just kind of a joke to you, or does it uh, does it feel wrong? Is it is it ethically wrong to do that? It would feel wrong for me to do such a job. Because even though I'm not a strongly, I'm not a strong, very strong Christian or something, I'm not a very religious person, I still have some of it in my core, I think. 
Mm. And for me to pretend to be a, a man of God, I couldn't roll with that, I think. <laughs> How about you? Could you roll with it for 150? You heed uh, it. Sure, if it's <laughs> just a minute works, sign me up. Oh, man. <laughs> if anything, I'd appreciate undermining Western society in that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, but... It's just kind of silly, right? It's it's kind of ridiculous. I'm not too offended by it. So what what what's the motivation for that then? Is it you think just Japanese people have seen it in movies, so they want to dress up and act it out like a like they're play acting and they're ten years old? Yes, basically <laughs> to give to give that image of like what a what a real uh, Western wedding would be like, kind of right. So I guess on the the flip side of that though is that's kind of degrading Japanese culture, right? If they're spent, if they're taking the effort and the time to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, act out this Western fantasy, then then neglecting their own culture at the same time, right? Is that? Wow, that I think that'd be a really good question to ask a Japanese person, not not uh, not one of us, but um, I could see I could see where you're going with that. Um, but not everyone does it. Some people do have like traditional Japanese weddings where they're wearing, you know, traditional Japanese dress, but hmm. some people choose not to do that. You know, how would you feel about having a traditional Japanese wedding? If you're not Japanese, me, I, I take a pass on that. I think, uh, how about you? Or would you do it? I think I'd feel strange about participating in, something that i didn't have very much of an affinity for i didn't have much of a an emotional connection to mm-hmm. but if the other person participating in it did have that and it was important to them then you know i'd, I'd want to respect that so i think this may be an interesting example because it's part it's cultural appropriation in a certain way right yeah. i'm I'm taking something that doesn't belong to me and participating in it. But at the same time, I'm doing it because the person that I'm with wants to do it and it is important to them. So, When you were married, um, your first wedding. Well, don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. All right. Did you, did you get married like with a priest or a holy figure, by the way? Uh... No. Okay. No, basically no. Not with a priest, no. Okay, with like a, but uh, I'm saying like a pastor or something, or. It was uh, somebody who somebody who was ordained, yeah. Okay. How did you feel? Did you feel weird about that? Like I don't, I'm not, I don't believe in God, but I'm gonna get married under God. Um. Yes, a little bit, but uh, that was important to her and her family, so I didn't really feel like. Okay. Um, you know, I didn't feel like I could override that just because I'm an atheist. Okay. So the same, same thing, like if, if some Japanese person was really important for you and you wanted to marry, you may perhaps engage in marrying under such cultural parameters. Sure. And we'd hire you as a fake pastor. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I got to remember my lines. <laughs> 
I guess we have to offer you more money to, so you can get over your uh, religious foibles on that one. Uh, one of one of the one of the things that always irritates me. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't happen so much here, but it happens more often with Americans that are living in England. Is yeah. when Americans try to say cheers, oh, and yeah. I've tried to ex- I've tried to explain it and I've tried to work it out. Um, but they just cannot say it at the right time. They cannot say it in the right context. All right, when's, the, when's the right time? Break it down. Well, that's what that, I'm that's saying. Like, it, 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 the easiest thing to say is it's a direct translation of thank you, right? But that doesn't quite cover it because you can use it to say goodbye as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost a stand-in in some cases for you're welcome mm-hmm. as well. So it's, it's I think... You know, uh, you know, Americans in England, when they visit or live there, often try and adopt it as a kind of way to fit in, or they think it's a bit of a joke or whatever. Yeah. And um, they can never quite use it in the right way. So <laughs> sometimes it irritates me, sometimes it amuses me, but it's... Uh, maybe, the tr- che- maybe the cheers is very similar to the Japanese uh, sumimasen, which is like a, excuse me, which also has many uses of like, mm-hmm. of like, you know, I bumped into you. Oh, excuse me. Or like, uh, I don't know. You, you give me something and I just say like, excuse me, but it's not really excuse me. It's more like of a thank you instead. Yeah. So maybe like that. And it's difficult for an outsider to yeah. apply it in the correct situations and they might, you know, it can sound a bit weird. Okay. So, I mean, for that reason, I, I try not to, I don't really use much slang because I feel like it's too forced mm. and I feel like it's very inauthentic for me to use slang like that. How do you feel when some American guy goes cheers when you like hand them something? <laughs> Here, I think it's weird because uh, <laughs> Americans don't say cheers. In England, I just think uh, it's a bit cringy, honestly. Like, it's not a big deal and if people want to do it, fine. But I just feel like... It, how about how about mate? Hey mate, that one, that one too, because that one also is quite um, situationally specific, uh-huh. and you'd only refer to certain people as mate, and you wouldn't refer to other people as mate, and it's all very, it's all very dependent on situation, age, and um, social class as well. Um, so that's a very tricky one. So. I mean, I I, could, I know the correct situations to use it, but as an outsider, I'd probably... Wouldn't. I know, I'm English, you don't know. I know, it's my culture. Well, is it, it, I'm not saying it like I'm not being snobby about it. It's just yeah. once, you know, when you're an insider in that sort of situation, you have that intuition to know uh-huh. when it works and when it doesn't. And if you're an outsider, it takes a very long time to build that up, right? So... If anything, I don't mind if people use it, go ahead. But if anything, if you use it in the wrong way, it marks you as an outsider, right? Uh, It brings attention to the fact that you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're talking about. We got cheers. We got mate. What's the third one that they, oh, fuck off. (laughs) Fuck off, right? Fuck off. Fuck off. (laughs) Isn't that like a top three one right there? (laughs) Uh yeah, but that's not that's not very difficult to understand. <laughs> okay, so they they're using that one correctly. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, for your situation, it's different, right? Do you ever do you use much Japanese slang, or do you try to avoid it? 
Oh man, not I don't use too much Japanese slang. There's a, there's a few words here and there. There's there's one that's really annoying. They they say shogunai. Shogunai means uh, it can't be helped, or there's nothing I can do, or no, we can't do anything. Kind of like giving up, kind of thing. Okay. Like uh, I don't know, like oh man, the, what you gonna do? Like, <laughs> like, like the I don't know, this restaurant is closed. <sighs> Shogunai, let's go back home or something. Like oh, what? <laughs> so I just feel like it's it's used overly used because like no i don't want to give up let's let's find an alternative <laughs> like let's keep going you know like kind of thing mm. so that's definitely a, a phrase that maybe yeah. that doesn't fit in with your character then yeah yeah i'm not i'm not down with that with that phrase but it's definitely used a lot here yeah well congratulations on not uh culturally appropriating that <laughs> thank you all right. Well, on on that note, thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions, queries, or um, abuse, then you can send it to us at uh, permanentlyres at gmail dot com. Yeah, and perhaps everyone's gonna email you about. Please explain when to use mate and cheers. So. Man, I'm gonna have to bring out my teaching skills for that one. All right, then. See you guys next time. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.